hello, hello, and a very, very special hello to anyone listening to this super early on a Monday morning. So big props for getting up early and getting financially focused at the beginning of the week. Um, thanks for tuning into the Finance Burrito, which is your fortnightly dose of down-to-earth money chats. My name is Liv G, and I'm a journalist at Comparison website, mozo.com.au, and with me is my brilliant and charismatic, so he writes, uh, colleague, Tom Watson. Hey, Liv. Can you can we do that again with like more emphasis on the brilliant and charismatic part? Is that okay? <laughs> maybe maybe tomorrow. We'll see how okay. we feel. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's very kind of you to say. And uh, <laughs> I, I know we got cameras off on Zoom right now, but, uh, you know, I'm blushing. Blushing in my beanbag den, which I am currently sitting in. Um, <laughs> you know, speaking of which, you know, we're, we're going to do a deep dive on beanbags today, right? Well, absolutely not. Unless, Tom, you were trying to get a great deal on a beanbag. Because what we're actually focusing on today is haggling. So, is haggling a thing anymore? What can you haggle on? Is it even worth it? So, we'll be diving into all those questions. Plus, plus we've got a fun little run through to demonstrate how to haggle like a pro. Yes, I'm actually really looking forward to that. Um, and after that, yeah, you've got a chat uh, with a jeweler about wedding rings for the source. Yeah, not a subject that I know a whole lot about, but um, it was super interesting. So, uh, well, I won't spoil anything, but uh, looking mm. forward to that. And then, as always, we will be spilling the beans in our final segment. And uh, this week's topic, well, it really ignited some, uh, you know, passionate responses in the office, um, I will say, particularly from a certain uh, unnamed producer. Um, so, don't <laughs> miss that. Indeed. Um, But first, we're going to get right into the thick of it with the meat. So this is the section of each episode where we really sink our teeth into a topic with the help of research, stats, and occasionally some of our own insights. And this week, we are talking haggling. We are indeed. And, uh, you know, honestly, the first thing that came to mind um, in terms of haggling was like experiences overseas, right? So... Last year was in Dubai. Um, we went to a place called the Gold Souks, uh, my girlfriend and I, which Ooh. is basically just like this sprawling market full of shops and stalls Classic. that also sell, sorry, gold and jewelry and stuff like that. And we're in the shop and my girlfriend was buying something. And I was just like, you know, just doing the, the kind of awkward looking around the store, killing time. And I was like looking at this packet of cards and this guy came up to me, one of the, the um, store owners, and he was like, oh, do you want to buy this? And I'm like, no, no, man, I'm just having a look. And he's like, 100 dirhams and it's yours. I'm like, well, that's $40. So I'm not going to pay $40 for a pack of cards. And he's like, oh, start to try and like go down and down and down. And I was just like, mate, honestly, like I'm genuinely not interested. I'm not trying to like screw you over here. I just, I don't want to buy these cards. They were like gold leaf cards or something like that. And in the end, he's like, uh, like 10 dirhams, which is $4. And I was like, all right, mate, sold. And that is (laughs) how you accidentally barter for something and haggle for something. So, Oh, wow. But But he was like skilled, skilled haggler there, Tom Watson. uh, Yeah, the accidental haggler. Maybe that's a Mm. blog I should start (laughs) on. But we're not talking about overseas today, right? We're talking about uh, Australia here at home. So I guess the big question, Liv, is can you actually haggle in Australia? Yeah, well, when I was thinking about it, my mind also sort of turned to great markets of elsewhere. But the, the answer is yes, you can totally haggle in Australia. Um, but honestly, I don't think we're doing it enough. So I reckon most people have probably haggled on something in their life. Uh, but your haggling list could actually be a lot longer. 
So there are obvious things like rent, which we talked about last week. So sneak back after this and have a listen to that episode if you haven't. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. As well as things like secondhand cars, you would definitely negotiate on price there. Stuff off Gumtree and all those kinds of things where price negotiation feels like natural, right? Sure, yeah. And then surprisingly, there are plenty of haggling opportunities people might not be aware of, like your gym membership, fancy jewellery, furniture, or even your insurance policies or NBN plan. I pretty wild. did not realise that you could haggle on your gym membership. Is that really a thing? It, it doesn't seem like it, right? I haven't tried it myself, um, but we have confirmation from our dear producer, Claire, that it is possible. And um, she <laughs> is a very brave haggling warrior. The haggle master. Um, <laughs> totally. Um, it's all really handy to know, but I've been thinking, is there a bit of, I don't know how to phrase it, sort of like general awkwardness or reluctance around haggling? Because it took me took me weeks to get my rent down. I finally achieved $50 off a week. Pretty excited. Um, and even then it kind of felt like I was badgering them constantly or like asking for something I didn't deserve, even though there was, there were situations in the market that were like, yeah, you, you should be able to get this. Um, or like I've tried haggling at markets. If something's a bit damaged, I just mm. feel like a, a stinge, a little bit stingy. Are you, are you talking like a generational like thing here? Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking the same thing. Like I remember as a kid, my dad's words you know, have absolutely no qualms with haggling over like white goods and stuff like that. But I guess personally, I, I do feel a little bit awkward doing it, especially mm. in person. Like I think I'm fine over the phone, but in person is really, I guess, a little bit different. And I, I even had a mate um, tell me the other week that, you, you know how in Harris Farms you can buy those like irregular veggies? Yeah, like, a like discounted the old bunch. Lunch? Yeah, the old, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so he's like, Mate, I feel like genuinely awkward about asking for the irregular veggie price at the checkout at Harris Farms. And I was like, hey, buddy, I can, I can relate to that. So, I don't know. Is this a generational thing? Do younger people find it more awkward or, you know, are these just like anecdotal experiences? Hmm. Well, we've got the numbers, which is just fantastic for that question. You've lined John. them up. I've, li- I've lined you up go. for this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, a Mozo survey back in January looked at this subject exactly. So, when asked if they had, uh, the survey respondents have, had ever shopped around or haggled on energy plans, car insurance, mortgages, or products like white goods, people aged 18 to 38 were much less likely to have done so than, than the average Aussie. But then on the flip side, younger Australians were more likely to shop around or haggle on savings accounts than the average person. And the youngest group, the 18 to 24-year-olds, were way more likely to do so with bank accounts, which was an interesting one. Yeah, that's really Mm. specific. Like, I wonder why those particular accounts. uh, Like, white goods, that doesn't surprise me, though, um, because that's something you've obviously got to do in person, right? Mm, We're a bit nervy. We're a bit nervy in person. We are. We definitely need a, you know, up by haggling game in person by the sounds of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe it should be taught in schools. You know, preparing for your life as the uh, proud owner of a discounted dishwasher. Oh, love it. Life Um, skills, man. (laughs) Real life skills. But the same survey did also show that haggling really did pay off. So, 94% of the respondents who tried it um, got a discount. So, there you go. Yeah. But, yeah, we get it. Everyone who's listening is like, so, I can haggle on a bunch of stuff and people who are successful with haggling – that are successful a lot of the time, 
but how do I actually do it? Well, we do like to give our all on this little podcast of ours. So uh, we actually got a friend of the podcast, pseudonym Sarah, to oh, uh, have a crack at cutting down her car insurance premium, you know, using her haggling skills. And so you can see or hear, probably is the right word, um, how a seasoned haggler moves and shakes. We've done a short reenactment of our undercover friend negotiating with her provider. So take it away, customer Sarah and the anonymous insurance worker we'll call Luke. Hi, this is Luke. How can I help you today? Hi, Luke. I'm getting in touch as I saw other car insurance are offering a discount on their premiums as people are driving their cars less at the moment. Are you offering anything like this? UE is offering a 15% discount to their customers. I've only been driving my car about once a week to the local shops for the past six weeks. Yeah, thanks for getting in touch. I completely understand we're in some unusual times at the moment. I'd be happy to help. Now, we offer a range of policy options and ways you can tailor our cover to suit you. So I'd be happy to check out what's available to make your policy more suitable and affordable. Can I please have your name and policy number to begin with? Sure thing. My name's Sarah Robertson and my customer number is 457-222. I have two cars on this policy, a sedan and a hatchback. Thank you. Thank you. I have a small disclosure here for you. We'll ask you some questions when making changes to your policy. You need to answer them completely and accurately. Any incorrect information may result in you having a policy cancelled or a claim not paid. Okay. Now, is the choice of a repair important to you for these cars? Uh, no. Would you be doing less than 5,000 kilometres a year for each car? Yes. And are both cars garaged? Uh, the sedan is in a secure garage, but the hatchback is an undercover carport. Okay, thank you. Would you like to increase your basic access to save money on your premium? This is at 650 for both the cars. Uh, no, thank you. Okay, let me see where we're at. We have $121 for the hatchback's next deduction and $122 for the sedan's next deduction. How do these new monthly prices sound? Uh, so the hatchback has gone down $1.25 a month, which is great, but the sedan has gone up $0.70 cents a month. Why is that? I can see here that the previous payment was $129 for the sedan. Oh, yes. Sorry. I was looking at a previous year's policy with those numbers. Sorry about that. It's okay. Let me see what we can do here. Now, do you have a dash camera in either car? No, neither car has a dash cam. Okay. I have reduced the policies for you by means of a discount here. The hatchback's new policy is $101 and the sedan is now $106 per month. Hopefully these are more suitable prices for you. Wow. Yeah, those are great. Thanks so much for your help, Luke. Glad I could help. Now, we'll send out an updated set of policy documents shortly reflecting the amendment. Please check all the pages and let us know if anything is incorrect as it may affect your insurance. Is there anything else I can help you with today? No, that's all. Thanks so much for your help. So, yeah, great job to Sarah. Um, moral of the story is that, uh, well, surely is that you never accept the first offer because what was that, $250 cheaper for each car? Pretty good. Yeah, and to like 20-ish bucks a month or 250 a year is definitely nothing to sniff at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and since we found that haggling on car insurance is a thing, it got me thinking about other big costs popping up in recent years. And now it's spring, well and truly, it's warm, love is in the air, it seems, because there's a fair few couples I know who are announcing engagements, which is terrifying and exciting. <laughs> um, 
So to get the lowdown on what you should expect in terms of pricing for a let's get married ring, I spoke to Melbourne-based jeweler Wealth Bowyer for this week's edition of The Source. So we're talking about engagement rings, the prices, who's buying them, everything in between. And um, as a custom jeweler working in Melbourne, uh, Wealth Boyer's got a bit of an inside know-how. So Wealth, though, so thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's good to be here. Fantastic. We'll, uh, we'll jump right into it. So you create um, rings that are very singular, they're custom designed, is that right? That's correct, yes. And um, what's, the, what's the process, I suppose, with the customer figuring out what that de- design is going to be and I guess how the, the payment process works? Is there some kind of negotiation involved along the way? How does that all kind of happen? Oh, well, quite often the start. Quite often I will start uh, the process was a sketch design and then once that is approved, then we'll kind of know what the, the cost mm. is going to be. I guess a lot of it starts with what they are looking for in terms of the materials used. So um, that will sort of determine the, the price of, of the ring. So we'll quickly kind of um, narrow, try and narrow that down in terms nice. of what they're looking for. Cool. Do you have a lot of people sort of changing things along the way or coming back and wanting alterations? How does that work? Um, I guess that sketch design phase allows for that like I want that like it depends how hands-on the customer is but there's a lot there can be a lot of back and forth in terms of honing that design um, in terms of where it starts and and where it sort of moves on um, towards actually Mm. modeling it and and casting it Um, so yeah I like it depends on the customer but I like that there's there can be a lot of uh, room for it to to change and and move Mm. And I suppose easy to do it when it's on paper versus halfway through construction. Mm. Um, I know, you know, decades past, there was this weird sort of three months of your salary sort of tradition. Do you feel like that's sort of completely flopped in in the time you've been working or is that something people think about? Sort of the, I suppose, the the prestige of some kind of jewels or materials? Yeah, I think that is definitely changing. Um, I mean, myself being in the contemporary jewellery world is probably a bit different to a customer from sort of like a high street shop or whatever. Um, But Mm. the people that I'm getting coming to me are certainly kind of thinking, ready to think outside the box a bit more. Um, So, you know, people are looking at um, alternative gemstones such as uh, sapphires and things like that um, rather than diamonds. Yeah, and um, I would say that as people sort of move away from the traditional diamond engagement ring and into the realms of other stones, um, it's given people more freedom to not have to spend that, that three months. So I think it's, it's been good because people are able to spend more, yeah, spend what they're comfortable with rather than freak out about, oh, it's got to be three months worth. Yeah. Yeah. Is that sort of still, still a bit of a go-to, the old massive diamond for an engagement ring is it still a classic or are you seeing more of the other yeah again i think that just i think in the contemporary jewelry world it is a bit different um and then yeah yeah you Mm. are seeing yeah just alternatives to to diamonds yeah i love it i love a dark dark gemstone personally do you have any personal preferences that you are like you should give this a go to some people uh 
inside dark you're talking but my favorite stones that i've found recently are what i call smoky diamonds and they uh look like mm -hmm. they've got like the smoke from a candle like infused into them wow so like something sort of like within the the stone that just happens naturally yeah yeah sick um in terms of i suppose who's who's buying the rings and how people are proposing. I mean, you're not necessarily on that side of things, but have you noticed more couples coming in perhaps to purchase engagement rings together or is it sort of still more of the, it's a surprise, I'm going to go down on one knee type thing? You're seeing a little bit more of that, but predominantly for my customer, I'm still seeing people enjoying the surprise and, um, and also mm. wanting to kind of be involved in that design process and um yeah come up come up with a surprise but you're also they're able to get a lot of kind of like behind the scenes feedback before they do that so in a way the other person is kind of sneakily involved because you're able to use like pinterest yep. and um you know instagram likes and stuff like that to kind of find what your partner already likes Oh, are you finding the partners are kind of doing that background research really subtly or do you sort of get involved in that process? I don't process? get involved, but sometimes the partner is not being so subtle. So they might want to, <laughs> you know, be throwing hints and stuff like that. Yeah, and they're like, how about this? And they've got sort of 10 pictures yeah, ready yeah, to yeah. go. Yeah, because especially with contemporary jewellery, there's quite a few different styles. You know, we're all quite different, so you don't really want to be off the mark in terms of that as a starting point. Totally. And in terms of, I guess, the the money side of things, we do talk about money here on this podcast. Um, when people are figuring out if, whether they buy it together or solo, do you get any information about whether they're splitting costs or is it, if it perhaps falls to, to the person asking or anything like that? I think that comes down to whether we're doing an engagement ring or a wedding ring commission because... Hmm. Predominantly, I would say that with engagement rings, if it's a surprise, it's still probably being um, paid for by that person. Um, whereas yeah. wedding rings, obviously, that tends to be more the couple coming in and um, designing and choosing and paying together. Um, in terms of age, just considering marriage is one of those things, a lot of different people can do, have you sort of seen a predominant age group over the last few years? Has it shifted or changed? in recent years for you? Uh, I think over the 10 years that I've been working, I think that my, my age group anyway, I think is between that late 20s, late 30s. Um, I suppose we could end on a fun question, which might just be, what's the favourite ring that you've designed across your career? Is, there, is it the first one or is it the biggest one, the weirdest one? Probably the, you know, the one that I would always say is the first engagement ring I ever designed was... Um, for my own wife um so that kind of got me started in terms of it allowed me to kind of work with precious materials and precious stones for the first time and it was obviously special because it was my proposal oh beautiful and then from there you know that sort of generated all that interest from from our friendship circles and other people and then it grew from there i suppose any outlandish sort of wacky couples or wacky requests requests that you've had over the years no nothing too wacky no i don't really get wa i don't really get wacky i get interesting commissions but i don't get you know like people might have certain themes that they're into like um blade runner for example so you might be yeah so yeah. you might be trying to incorporate you know blade runner-esque themes into a, into a ring how do you incorporate 
Blade Runner in a ring? Uh, well, we looked at posters. We looked at posters and colours. You know, there's a lot of kind of like cool and warm and cool lighting going on. So you could look at reds and blues and and yeah. uh, obviously the architecture, the sort of deco nature of the architecture that can be incorporated in the ring. There's lots of things you can that's take so cool. from them. So that's cool. I hope they like the new Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries, no. <laughs> the rig goes on. Awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with us today, Will. No worries. Okay, can I just say how epic the Blade Runner ring sounds? Right. Like, I would never have thought about themed rings like that, and I really want to see what it looks like. Right, my mind went straight to like a Harrison Ford engraving, but I think it was what, more his like face. <laughs> yeah, but I think it was more like thematics of the. The, the film noir kind of stuff. But still, mm. either way, very cool. Um, but, yeah, Wealth also pointed out some um, really good developments sort of in ring pricing with it sort of becoming more accessible as tastes develop away from that classic whopping diamond and the three-month mm. salary expectation, at least with his clientele. All right, let's 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 leave the love there um, because <laughs> now it's time for uh, hatred and awkwardness, uh, a.k.a. the beans. This is where we get, you know, just a little bit controversial and look into awkward financial questions or money confessions. Yes, and we had some pretty spicy debate over the question we came up with this week, which is how much should you pay a mate for giving you a lift? <laughs> I just uh, I love how it worked up uh, producer Clegg mm-hmm. over this Fantastic. Okay, so my own opinion on the matter is, uh, well, it depends on the distance you're going, right? Mm-hmm, so, sure. am I going to offer more than a thank you for a quick trip? You know, probably not. Uh, a proper road trip, though? Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely chip in for petrol at that point. Like, you know, I feel like maybe the threshold is over an hour and a half of driving equals petrol money but i don't know what about you Liv? <laughs> yeah i'm kind of similar it depends on like the person as well like is it my sister is it my boyfriend Pro- i'm probably not going to give them money hey probably just give them a high five but also distance so i'm really like i'm i feel like i'm breaking my dedication to really ordered frugality here and agreeing with you basically just going with the flow a bit so that's a bit different for me <laughs> but because I need to satisfy the obsessive organizer within me. I have done some maths to see what people really should be paying per hour, yes, per hour, based on the national average car costs in Australia. Oh, this is dangerous. When was the last time you did maths? Look, I'd say year 11. Okay. I'm excited for your maths then. So, <laughs> right. what, are, what are your figures? What did you discover? Okay. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I prepared a quick rundown of annual car costs because okay. I love lists. So... This is all from a few different sources. So our Mozo's 2020 car insurance report found that the average comprehensive car insurance policy costs $952 a year. So we'll write that down. $952. Then, $952. And then according to Credit Union Australia, servicing a car, so like repairs and just like general maintenance, can range from 700, $750 to a grand and a half a year. So I took a median of one thousand one hundred and twenty-five dollars, right in the middle, keeping it okay, keeping so, it averaged. So we're running at about two thousand dollars now. Close, with those yeah. Two combined. yeah. And then you've got registration and CTP costs, and this is where it gets kind of tricky because it can differ depending on which state or territory you live in, plus mm. car type, size, how valuable it is, blah blah blah. So to sort of simplify it, 
I've just averaged it out across all the states in Australia, depending on the the cheapest kind of option, like the base level, because this is your like compulsory third party insurance. And that came to 709 a year. So when we're talking about all together, just keeping a car on the road and insured, it costs on average $2,786 every year per day. That's $7.63 or 32 cents an hour. Boom. 32 cents an Boom. hour. That's that's the number you got? <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's me. Okay. I mean, I love the idea of sitting in the backseat of the car and after every hour comes over just transferring 32, 32 cents, cents to my mate. Beautiful. Does that include petrol though or is that is that on top? No. So, petrol, I couldn't bring myself to analyze all the changing petrol prices. That's, that's too hard. So, we'll <laughs> say that's your... That's your too own. many. So, basically, if you're going... I'm like, if you're going somewhere together... You'll be both want to get to the destination. You just split the petrol and then you charge them on top a minimum of 32 cents an hour. A base rate of 32 cents <laughs> yeah, an hour. Yeah, because like, you know, you're essentially Ubering them about the place. There so, you go. This is the definitive number yeah. that, that people need to know about that. Exactly. Okay, we have solved that mystery well and truly. Uh, Producer Claire can no longer get angry at her friends because she knows exactly (laughs) uh, how much to charge them. (laughs) I didn't get into trouble by saying that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, let's call it a day there. Uh, If you would like to weigh in on the subject, on the lift pricing debate, then uh, please shoot us a message on the Finance Burrito Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And if you were all about the haggling or the engagement rings and Harrison Ford, etc., Chuck, uh, happy review our way and subscribe to the podcast. And hey, we're also on Instagram now. So go check out the uh, Finance Burrito Instagram page, which looks amazing. Woo! Yeah, check that out. And uh, as always, a big shout out to everyone um, behind the scenes of the podcast that makes every episode uh, possible. We've already referenced our beloved producer, Claire, but uh, also big thanks to researchers Gemma and Jada and our social media gun, Rihanna. Yeah, we'll see you all in a fortnight. See you guys. Just remember, as Mozo writers, we're providing general financial product information. So we're not taking into account your specific financial situation, needs, or personal objectives. We are not recommending any specific product to you. The best advice we can give you is to make your own financial decisions or seek out independent advice. This podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au.